Let's listen to Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, firstly, uh, welcome back to some travellers. Welcome back to some travellers. It's great to have you back with us. Also, uh, welcome to some people who are visiting us. It's great to have you with us. And um, she hasn't got the hat yet, but congratulations to Dr. Bron. Uh, she's a doctor now. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I know that uh, uh, we've been going through the, the, uh, the Beatitudes. And if you haven't heard all of the uh, sermons on the Beatitudes... Not that it's about me and getting my YouTube stats up, um, but I just encourage you to read it. Uh, read it from the scriptures and then maybe listen to some of the sermons because the, the sermons have been showing us that even though some of these sound short and pithy, they're actually great depth to them. And Jesus uh, unpacks these Beatitudes in so many other ways throughout the Scriptures, but also some of the themes in the Beatitudes pull together some of the themes of Scripture. And so, as Psalm 24 says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, those with a clean hand and a pure heart. And Jesus is pulling that thread together in this Beatitude about, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And in this morning, I want to unpack what, what does it mean to think about being pure in heart in our culture. So let me pray for us. Gracious God, we pray that as we think about being pure in heart this morning, that uh, any darkness within our heart may be cast out by your light and, and any hole in our heart may be filled with your Holy Spirit. So open our hearts and minds to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know not all of you are Collingwood fans and you probably didn't watch the game last night, but uh, there was a, a, a player, I'm not a Collingwood fan, so I don't even know the guy's name, but he was playing his 200th game. And as they carried him off, one of the other players said that this guy is the heart and soul of the club. 
the heart and soul of the club. Another saying that you might hear in our society is that somebody wears their heart on their sleeve. I wonder what that means in your mind. And someone says they put their whole heart into their work. I, I actually think we, we sometimes, uh, even in our uh, emoji response, we kind of give a love heart, which it, it sort of, it says, yes, I agree. There, there's some concepts about heart that aren't really clear in our society. And, and we can quickly associate it with emotions. Sometimes when we think about uh, things, that's kind of logic, that's, that's intellect, that's almost in our society what real people do. And someone who is led by their heart, that's kind of whimsical and, and lacking any kind of logic or, 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 or caution. So we, we kind of are confused. But this morning I want to unpack what Jesus might be thinking about pure of heart. And when Jesus is talking about pure in heart, he's actually talking, and, and I've been saying, this is part of the longer Sermon on the Mount, which is, which is chapters 5 through to 7 of Matthew's Gospel. But Jesus actually unpacks the, the, the Beatitudes in more ways throughout the, the Scriptures. And so if you look at uh, what Jesus is unpacking through the rest of this passage of the Sermon on the Mount, he's actually challenging the Pharisees who are looking at rules-based righteousness. And rules-based righteousness is all about external behaviour. And so the Pharisees of Jesus' day are going around and they're saying to people, God loves you the more you follow the rules. The more you follow the rules that we've set, because yes, it's based off the commandments and it's based off the law of the Old Testament, but then there's all of these interpretive laws that they have created. So it's not just good enough to know, uh, obey the Sabbath, there's all these rules about how one might obey the Sabbath. And Jesus is, is understanding that these rules that have been created are a heavy burden. They're an external behaviour modification tool that the Pharisees are using and it's almost uh, doesn't matter about the state of a person's heart. And so the Pharisees are training the people by this. Jesus is seeing that this is a heavy burden and he wants to lift the burden off them. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. So we can be pure in heart, we can be gentle and humble in heart. And it says, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke, for it is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is trying to lift the burden of this behaviour modification off the people. He's, he's saying that this rules-based righteousness of the Pharisees is a burden. And focusing on our adherence to a set of rules is, is something that people just can't bear. And the reason that Jesus is challenging the, the religious leaders is because, and, and I have to be careful of this too, is that religious leaders can be very good at saying, you need to all follow these religious rules, 
but, but what do I do with all my week? What do these religious leaders do with all their week? They, they follow the religious rules while all the working class have to go out and work and spend all their time earning a living at the same time trying to adhere to all the rules that the Pharisees who don't have to work for an income have, to, have time to follow the rules. So Jesus is saying that the religious leaders are putting this burden onto the people because it's an external modification and they've got time to adhere to these rules but the normal working class people don't. The people who have to work for a living don't have time and so it's too heavy a burden. But Jesus is also saying these external behaviour modification rules don't take into account the intentions that flow from the heart. It doesn't take into account the intentions in the minds of people. At the time of Jesus, the heart was considered the place where where the will existed. The, 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 The core of our being, our innermost desires resided in our heart. And so rather than it just being about emotions that we sometimes think of the heart, we tend to separate will into our head or our mind and our emotions come out of our heart and sometimes we even kind of say our instincts come out of our gut. In the time of Jesus, probably all of those three things come out of the heart. So remember in chapter 6, which is part of this Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about how we can pray, Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if your treasure is obeying the rules, your heart is not going to be focused on God, it's going to be focused on following the rules. If your heart is focused on God, perhaps following the rules might actually flow from that. So in the time of Jesus, it was someone's heart that shaped their external behaviours. And so Jesus wants his audience to to change their external behaviours. He does want them to follow the law, but he wants them to do it from the heart. He wants it to be internal, flowing to the external, not somehow the external shaping the internal. Jesus wants people to follow the ways of God. He wants them to follow the ways of God for the right reason. Remember that Jesus said he didn't come to remove any of the law, not one iota, that's the the smallest punctuation mark. He doesn't even come to remove that from the law. So he's not saying behaviour doesn't matter. He's saying it's the intention of your heart that flows out into your external behaviour. And it's your heart that matters more. So when Jesus again is talking in Matthew 6 about uh, him calling people to pray, the image he gives is go to your room by yourself rather than pray on the street corner. It's probably an allusion to Daniel. What happens to Daniel? The, the, The king outlaws prayer and Daniel goes to his room as he had already done and he prays in secret except it turns out someone was watching him. You see, Jesus is referring to this this sort of Daniel image and saying, unlike the Pharisees who pray in public in order to get public accolation, Jesus wants people to pray, not to please people, but to communicate with God. 
And so the real warning around this pure of heart, where your heart is, is where your treasure is, where your treasure is, is your heart. We've got to be careful about our intentions. Are our intentions to please people? Is that why we're doing some external behaviour? That's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were so focused on looking good in front of everybody else, making sure they wore the right things, were seen to observe the rules. It was all about being seen to be following the rules because it was about getting the accolades that went with that. They followed the law and they followed all the religious rules that they had created, but it was all just about winning accolades from others. Jesus warns the audience that are listening to the Sermon on the Mount and hearing the Beatitudes that these people who are doing all this religious observance just to get the accolades of people, they've already received their reward. And that reward's not from God, it's from the accolades of other people. In contrast, the pure of heart, in contrast, the pure of heart see a relationship with God as more important than following the rules. The pure in heart live with a single devotion, which is God. I think there's an application to that in our world today, where, where you, you might have heard the saying that somebody is the same off stage as they are on stage. An actor is the same off-camera as they are on-camera. A, a, a celebrity is the same in real life as they are in their social media feed. Our society wants that ability for somebody to be the same in real life as they are on the screen. If they're not, we call that being two-faced and we don't like that. There's, there's also a sense of, because we know so many celebrities fall down on this, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, but they say, don't ever meet your hero in case they disappoint you. Because sometimes we fall in love with the public persona of somebody, and in real life, they're not like that at all. And we can be let down and disappointed by that. You might have heard me often uh, quote N.T. Wright. He's an Anglican bishop, a New Testament scholar, and I think he's probably one of the, the, the best thinkers and theologians of our day. And I had the opportunity to meet him, and I was nervous because I was kind of like, what if he's not as good in real life as, as some of the writings? I mean, sometimes when someone's a writer, th- their, their skill is in writing, not in public relations. But what struck me by N.T. Wright, or Tom Wright, because I've now met him, so I can call him Tom. Um, what, I, what I found interesting about Tom was Tom had been recording all week. And so I just kind of thought, oh, here's a, here's a guy who's been recording all week. He's tired. He's had to fit this commitment in. He's not going to be really attentive. Well, he was so intentive. He was so engaged. He was so... Uh, he actually got more energy as the, the session went on. And then afterwards, um, like sometimes happens at these events, people line up to, to meet the person. And I, I was kind of thinking, do I go, do I not go? And when I went up and said, oh, hello, I'm, I'm Mark, I'm a vicar from Melbourne. And he goes, oh, 
great, you know, I've been to Melbourne and he was so personable. And I think it was really uplifting to me to meet somebody who was the same in real life as they are in their writing, in their public persona. And I think that's getting to a little bit of what being pure in heart is. That we're the same in private as we are in public. Now, you might think that's dangerous because in our society, most people put on a really brave face, a really positive face in public. And then they kind of are their real self in private. But the idea of being pure in heart is that if you say that you're friendly in public, then when you're not on show, you're also friendly. If you say that prayer is important and you come to church and you, you kind of get involved in prayer and you pray really loudly, then when you're by yourself, talking to God is still important. If you say that worship is really important in public and you sort of really critique the songs and you want, you want the songs to be even better in church, but then you don't worship by yourself when you're in your home, the idea of being pure in heart is that we're the same in public as we are in private, but also that the way we are in private is the same in public. And that it's not about pleasing people, but it's about having a desire for God. Notice on the screen there that the, the outcome of adhering to this beatitude is that you'll see God. I think that's really telling about what being pure of heart is. That we, when we're pure of heart, we've got a single devotion to God. We're not doing any of this religious activity to please people like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, in some ways, I mean, we might be giving some of them a bad rap. There are probably some really good Pharisees. But the idea of the persona of what we say about the Pharisees is it's almost like they didn't care about God, they just cared about adhering to the religious rules and the public accolades. Being pure of heart means that you desire, your single devotion is a desire for God and therefore God will bless you and meet you there. So those who go to church and say that prayer is important, then they pray in the privacy of their own home. They pray in the, the they communicate with God throughout their week. I, I love the, the, the Jesuits' concept of pray as you go. You see God in um, all of the events of your life. You don't just section God into a part of your life, but you let God infuse all of your life because it's flowing out of your heart's desire to see God at work in the world. I think COVID and the, the, the lockdown of the church killed the last vestiges of cultural Christianity, definitely in Australia, and I think even in the US they're experiencing this. If going to church was about being seen, about doing your duty, then sitting on the couch in your pyjamas watching church online didn't give you any of that cultural affirmation or accolade. And I know that there are some people who lament about decline in church attendance since the COVID period. But I think in terms of this beatitude, it's a real positive. 
going to church is no longer about social accolades. There's no reason to come to church anymore unless it's about a desire to, for God. There's no social accolades in our society. If you go to work on, on Monday and say, I oh, went to church on, on Sunday, no, no one's going to think better of you. So coming to church is just about being pure in heart in a single devotion for God. And I think that's a positive. The pure in heart want an encounter with God and this beatitude says that God will encounter you. The pure in heart get involved in church because their whole heart's desire is to see the mission of Jesus come alive. The pure in heart know their motivation and it's not about pleasing people, it's about continuing the mission of God. The pure in heart are blessed and as we would say with our church uh, vision being the presence of God, the pure in heart are blessed with the presence of God. Now, all this talk about being pure of heart, maybe you don't feel that pure in heart. I know, I know with a lot of these Beatitudes, it's, it's, it's an ideal and sometimes we think we don't match up to that. And I get it, I understand it. Particularly in our world, because in our world, people in the secular sphere look down on what we call purity culture, don't they? They see purity as a naivety, a desire to be pure in heart, that's just kind of intellectual, that's kind of naivety, that's kind of weird Christianity. But being pure in heart comes with a high degree of humility. It, it comes with an understanding that we get it wrong a lot of time, but it comes with a constant desire in our heart to return to who God is. You know, most of the places around the world, I don't know whether you follow this about and hear about revivals that are taking place. I'm, I'm hearing church leaders talk about spot fires of revival taking place all across the world. In, in large churches, in small churches, in rural churches, in city churches, in the west, in the east, yeah, even heard one in, 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 in Thailand. Like just all over the world, there's just spot fires of revival happening and, and you don't hear about it on the news, it's not going to make the news. But what's interesting is people are starting to say, what's happening? What they're seeing is that people are longing in their heart to encounter God, to see God. If cultural Christianity goes and there's no social accolade, all that's left is actually experiencing God. And people are coming wanting an experience of God and God is meeting them, God is pouring out His Holy Spirit on people. It's kind of a bit like this, this glass of water. If, if I wanted to put more water into this glass, if you know your physics, the air that's currently in there will be pushed out as the water goes in. If we want to be pure of heart, there are some things that maybe have to get pushed out of our heart in order for God to fill the rest of it. And so there's two images for you. The first is of Jesus. We often speak of Jesus as the light of Christ. And the light of Christ casts out all darkness. So if there's darkness in your heart and you're feeling you're not very pure of heart, don't focus on the rules 
Focus on inviting Jesus into your heart because the light of Christ will cast out the darkness. So it's not about behaviour modification, fixing yourself up and trying to work on your behaviour to get rid of that darkness yourself. Invite the light of Christ in and the darkness will be cast out by the light of Christ. And the second is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to pour into your life. God's presence is going to be in your life through the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and that will become your soul devotion. So if you don't feel like you're pure in heart, I actually wonder whether you're on the right track. If you feel you've nailed purity in heart, you're probably not. But I think the solution of what Jesus is saying is that it's not about external modification. If you don't feel pure in heart, don't focus on behaviour modification. Invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit into your heart and the purity will come from those two. And the purity will come when you focus on our Father in heaven. So gracious God, we praise and thank you for who you are. We thank you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that it's not about our behaviour and our rules, but it's about your grace and mercy. It's about the righteousness that you pour into our hearts, your presence that you pour into our hearts. Lord, we long for your presence. So come and be with us and let the light of Christ cast out all darkness. In Jesus' mighty name.